Dear brothers and sisters, welcome back to yet another episode for the podcast. I need answers. It's me, Deacon Dawit, coming yet for another episode, and I hope you guys enjoy what we have prepared today. We have a lot of interesting things to talk about, so let's get right to it. But as always, it's appropriate to begin the podcast with a prayer, and I ask you all to gather your thoughts in your mind and ask God to bless this lesson that we've prepared for today. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Holy, holy, holy is your name, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we ask you that you bless all the people listening to this podcast, bless their day, bless their family, and all of their loved ones. I ask you, God, that you give me the ability to speak, use me as a vessel, God, and accept my services that I offer up unto you through the intercession of the most holy Theotokos and all the saints for blessed are you unto ages and ages, forever and ever. Amen. All right, let's get to it. Uh, Hopefully by now, (laughs) I sound like a broken record. You guys have taken the time to really read the book and uh, it's on Amazon. You could get the hard copy. You could get the soft copy. I mean, there's so many options now. I'm like, what are we going to do? So uh, again, I think these podcasts are more effective if you're taking the time to really read the book. And I know like some of you guys already have read the book, but Even before, like listening, like this is, um, of course, we're talking about the chapter, Jesus is everywhere. So like on that chapter, make sure like you go and read that chapter before listening to the podcast. If you have the time, of course, if you're busy, you just can't do it. You can't do it. But um, it's better, even though like if you read it three months ago, you might forget some important points and stuff like that. So when we touch it up again on a podcast, then it will really stick, right? Because this is not really... A book that you want to read once and say, yeah, yeah, I got the point. It's something that you want to keep on rereading over and over until some of these points are able to stick. If you guys remember last time, we talked about why it's important to go to church. And we talked like different points and we raised different ideas of why it's, it's very, very important to go to church. And today we're going to build up on that idea, right? And it's on this this notion of, you know... Like a lot, a lot of people will say to me, especially my Sunday school t- students, uh, you know, Jesus is everywhere. Jesus is everywhere. And if he's everywhere, like, how come I can't stay home and pray? Like, why do I really like need to go to church? Like, what's the point? Yeah, we talked about going to church yesterday, but but there's still that like idea of, you know, Jesus is everywhere. And as long as I'm praying, that's that's what matters. But but first of all, for the question of how come I can't just stay at home and pray, the answer is, well, you should. You should be staying at home and praying. That's extremely important. In fact, the Bible encourages us to do just that. But we should also come to church and pray together. We should come to church and pray together. But before we talk about this, and I know, again, I touched upon it last time, but it's important to keep uh, uh, discussing about this. What makes a church a church? Like people say, you know, like as long as we're praying and, 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 and we're, we're worshiping God, that's what matters. But my question is, like, what makes a church a church? And I ask this question just like I'll ask about anything else. For example, what makes a school a school? Is it just the education? Is it just the fact that we have books and, and teachers available? Well, if I gathered two or three students and I gave them books and I started teaching, lecturing about something, 
does that environment turn into a school? Okay, what about a hospital? What makes a hospital a hospital? Is it because it's a place where people are getting healed and and maybe heal, healing is, is is has a different meaning? But is it because people are getting uh help like physically and and getting surgeries and and is is that what it is? What if, what if a friend of mine comes to my house and 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 he he starts I don't know he he falls down and and he he twists his ankles and then I I give him some ice for his ankles. Is my house transformed into a hospital because I'm giving aid to a person who's hurt? No, I, my house is a house. I happen to have ice and I gave him ice for his, his twisted ankles. But my house is still a house. It's not a hospital. You see, there's specific standards that we have into transforming a building into a, ho- a, a hospital, just like there's standards to transforming a building into a school. It's not just about the books. It's not just about like the, like the students, their standards overall, it has to be recognized as a school, hospital, and as a church. There's specific guidelines for transforming a building to a church. This is why when I'm praying at home, just the prayer in itself is not sufficient to transform my house into a church. Now, the question remains, what is the standard and where do we find the standard for for transforming a building into an actual sanctuary, a place of worship? Well, we find it in the book of Exodus. Especially when we begin to start from the <clears throat> Exodus chapter 19, we find that Moses it goes up to a, a Mount Sinai and, and God meets up with him there. Of course, this is where he gives him the Ten Commandments and God opens up the heavens and he shows him the heavenly sanctuary and, and, and he shows him all the, the different uh, uh, items and the different things that are going on in the heavenly sanctuary, and God specifically tells him to create an earthly sanctuary in the pattern of the heavenly sanctuary. Few things to note here. Number one, notice that it's a heavenly sanctuary because it's heavenly. That means it's eternal. A lot of people say, "Wait a minute, this is in the book of Exodus." It no longer applies to us in the New Testament, but that's not true. It's heavenly. Things that are heavenly are eternal. And of course, we find the same pattern being uh, referenced to in the book of Revelation. So we understand that this pattern that Moses saw in the book of Exodus is still applicable to us even to this day. Let's look at the biblical verse. Exodus chapter 25 Verses 8 through 9 says the following. Half the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. This is God uh, uh, talking. And notice he's telling Moses to build a holy sanctuary. This is God's request. I want a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. So here's God giving us the standard for how to transform a location, a place from an ordinary place to a sanctuary. 
based on the pattern that I show you in our forefathers and Orthodox Church, of course, they follow this pattern. And this is how we get the church that we see. Quick note that I want to mention here. Uh, these biblical verses, especially the ones that I include in the book, uh, those of you listening, if you identify as being a, a part of the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church, take time to memorize them. Right, because you're gonna come across like friends and 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 things when you're discussing. Are you gonna forget? You know, there's a verse in some book I read, whatever. But the point is, if you memorize these verses, then when these discussions come up, you can easily say, "Wait a minute, read your Bible." You can cite verses rather than saying, "I read somewhere about something." Right? The more biblical verses we can show, it shows that we know our church uh, very well. Take time to to uh, memorize this. Now, God shows Moses the heavenly sanctuary. And, and, and when, he, when Moses is looking, he notices that there's an inner chamber that's hosting the Ark of the Covenant and an outer chamber being separated from the inner ch chamber by a curtain. By a curtain, it says the following, Exodus chapter 26, verses 33 through 35. Hang the inner curtain from clasp and put the Ark of the Covenant in the room behind it. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. Then put the Ark's cover, the place of atonement, on top of the Ark of the Covenant inside the most holy place. Place the table outside the inner curtain on the north side of the tabernacle and place the lampstand across the room on the south side. So there's an inner room and inner chamber that's hosting the Ark of the Covenant, and then there's an outer chamber that's being separated by a tabernacle or by a, a, a curtain, an inner curtain. Now, when you go to an Ethiopian Orthodox auto church, what do you find? You find the most, the Holy, the Holy of Holies, Beta Magdas, right? That's where the de deacons and the priests go. That's hosting the replica of the Ark of the Covenant. And then the outer chamber where everybody else stands at is being separated by a curtain. If you guys go to an Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church, of course, they have the curtain that opens and closes. This is because they're following the pattern of the heavenly sanctuary that God showed Moses. Again, the Orthodox Church is following exactly what, they, uh, what Moses saw in the kingdom of heaven. Now, I talk about this because it's important for us to understand that the, everything that the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church does is biblical. And I, I get it. I get it. Some of you guys listening may not even identify as being part of the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church. That's fine. Some of you may not even agree with everything that the church uh, does or is it's teaching. And that's fine too. But one thing that I don't take lightly is when people try to paint the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church as being backward or unbiblical or that we're missing something. I remember once I was talking to a friend and I was explaining about some of the traditions that we do. We take off our shoes. That we There's a priest. We confess our sins and, and, and all this stuff. And then after listening to me, my friend goes, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And my heart was like, ah, oh, ah, oh. like, can we really say that about the church? How can we criticize a church, an entity, a body of anything that we don't really understand? Right. So like, as, as I've been saying on the purpose of the, the, the book and in this podcast is to let you know, maybe we don't know all that we need to know, but at least we should be able to understand there is more to the church than we think. So before we begin to criticize, let's take time to learn what the church has to say. Now, the next point that I raise in the, in the book is about the idea of intercession. 
the idea of intercession. Now, I must say, I must say, there are a lot of things in the church which may take a while to understand. And I can understand why people have a hard time accepting it. For example, the idea of for exa- uh, uh, Trinity, right? People have a hard time understanding it because it's a tough concept to figure out. One and three, three and one. What does that mean? God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, right? Like, wh- wh- what does that really mean? And people struggle with this. And I, I am sympathetic to that. On the other spectrum, people struggle with easy concepts, but hard to implement. For example, the idea of confessing, especially in the West, is a very tough thing. It's an easy concept. Like, I get it. You confess to a priest. But to carry out, uh, it's intimidating. It's scary. So I get it. I'm sympathetic. That's why a lot of people ask. The idea of fasting is an easy concept, but hard to implement. When it comes to intercession... Uh, like honestly, honestly, I, I don't understand why this is one of those issues which people have a hard time with. Because the concept is easy, and it's easy to implement. It's easy to implement. Now, before I get into all this stuff, let me first define what intercession is. I like defining words because it put like if you're using a, the word in a different way than I am, then that's probably why we don't agree. So intercession intercession is defined as the action of intervening on behalf of somebody else right in our discussion we're using the word intercession to mean to ask someone else to pray on our behalf about something right now some take issue with this concept pray for somebody else we're asking someone else to pray for us i remember uh when i was talking about intercession and i said you know in the ethiopian orthodox father church there's saints uh, saint mary the angels and all this stuff and and they said but but i don't get it why not just cut out the middleman how come i can't pray directly to jesus why do i have to pray to mary to pray to jesus and, and i was like whoa <laughs> it's, it's not it's not like that but but uh here's the thing here's the thing Number one, you should be praying directly to Jesus. As we said in the beginning of the podcast, like none of these are mutually exclusive, right? Just because you're asking the the intercession, you're pleading with either the Virgin Mary, saints or angels to pray on your behalf. It doesn't mean that you're going to stop praying to Jesus. We as Christians must be praying directly to Jesus all the time. Having said that, we also ask for the intercession of saints. Now, the biggest issue non-Orthodox folks have against the Orthodox Church is, is about intercession, of course. And when they walk into the church, they see like, like the you know, like too much Mary, oh, too much Mary, oh, too much saints, too much angels. And because during the prayers and and and, and, and like if they're looking at icons and all this stuff, of course, even the churches are named after saints. We have Dismara and Christian. We have and people are like wait a minute what's going on this is too much and, and, and people walk away what they're really asking and the real problem that they're they're kind of battling with is because they think that when they're praying to saints or the virgin mary they think that they're taking glory away from god so that's the question like when we pray to to, to angels and the virgin mary are we not taking glory away from god well, the answer is no, absolutely not, because number one, nothing we can do can ever take the glory away from God. Notice, we're glorifying a glorified God. God is already glorified. There's nothing that we can do to ever take the glory away from God. So that's first thing. 
That's the first thing. Second, let's again define what prayer means. Prayer means devout petition, as in to ask the request of someone or praise someone. The Ethiopic Saleya literally means to ask. We're asking and we are uh, praising. So it's important to understand when we are asking, when we are praying to God, the things that we request are going to be different from what we request to saints and angels. For example, when we ask, when we are praying to God, we request for God to forgive our sins and to grant us his mercy and to give us access into the kingdom of heaven. Versus when we are praying to the Virgin Mary, we are praying that she prays on our behalf. We're asking for her intercession. See, there are differences. There are differences. A lot of people say we don't really pray to saints and, and things like that. Well, prayer just means to ask for something, right? So, yes, we do. We are asking for their, their, their intercession. And by that definition, that's what we're doing. And when it comes to praising God, praise, of course, means adoration, like showing gratitude for something, right? Like we're thankful for something, right? Praising someone. When we praise God, we praise him differently than how we praise the saints or the angels. When we praise God, we're praising him as a divine king. We recognize his divinity and we are worshiping him. We are worshiping him. When we are praising the saints and the angels, we're not worshiping them. We thank them for their intercession, right? We're thanking them for their intercession. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. God forbid you're sick. Let's say you're really, really sick, like really, really, really sick. And a friend of yours comes and says, hey, man, um, I heard you're sick. Uh, the good news is I was sick as well. I had the same symptoms that you had, but I went here and, and there's this great medicine. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, like, it's going to heal you. Just go, go, go to the hospital. Let me take you. And they take you to the hospital. And then the doctor sees you the, and she examines you, right? The doctor, why does it have to be a man? It could be a woman, right? Like, so she examines you. She looks at you and she gives you a medicine and you feel better. You feel better. Now question, who healed you? Who healed you? Is it, is it your friend? Is it the doctor? Like who healed you? Take a second to really think about this. So if you said your friend healed you, well, you're not entirely correct because your friend did not heal you. But you should thank your friend for what they did. Because if your friend did not tell you about the doctor, you would have never been healed, right? So even though your friend did not heal you, your friend didn't heal you, but you should thank your friend for pointing you in the right direction. Okay, was it the doctor? Surely the doctor healed you. Well, the doctor did not heal you either, but she was the source for the medicine. So for the very fact that she was able to, to, to examine you and look at you and all that stuff, and she gave you the medicine, you should thank her. She didn't heal you, but you should thank her because she's the source of the medicine. The answer is the medicine is the one that healed you. And you should be absolutely grateful for the, for the fact that you were able to get the medicine. See, that's how our spiritual world works as well. In this example, your friend are like the saints. 
See, the purpose of the saints is to point us towards the medicine, literally, Medhani Alam, the medicine of the world, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is what the saints do. They point us towards a medicine and they tell us, look, there is this sickness called sin and we had it and you have it. And therefore, we were able to get like uh redeemed we were able to get better because we took this medicine and and they point you towards the hospital which is the church and once we go to the church we are greeted of course by the virgin mary that's our doctor she's the source of the medicine of course our lord and our savior jesus christ is her son Theotoko, she is the mother of God. She is the source of the medicine. So, of course, we also thank her for giving us the true medicine, Jesus Christ. We thank the saints for pointing us towards the medicine in the church. And then we thank the Virgin Mary for giving us a medicine. And then we worship the medicine. We worship him because he is the one that healed us. But along the way, we thank the saints for pointing us in the right direction. This is how intercession works. This is how intercession works. But that's an example. Now, let's look at some biblical examples of how the, even the Bible encourages us to ask for intercession. But before we do, let's, I must say, like most Christians already are kind of practicing intercession. We're going to look at biblical uh, examples, but I just want to make this point. Uh, most people are already practicing intercession. Imagine like a good friend of yours calls you and uh, like crying, right? Hysterically. And you say, what's wrong? And she says, you know, like my mom is in the hospital. My goodness, I'm scared. She's really sick and all this stuff. And then she, she says, hey, can you pray for me? What will you say? Honestly, would you say, uh, cut out the middleman? Pray directly to Jesus. Or will you say, oh, look, of course, absolutely. Why not? I'll pray for you, right? Why? Because that's the right thing to do. Again, we are already practicing intercession. What's more is some people also take issues with like secondary books in the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church hagiographies known as Gadlat, right? So of course the Ethiopian Orthodox Auto Church is known for using secondary books other than the Bible. And people say, no, you should only read the Bible and, and never, you know, read like the stories of the saints and stuff like that. But again, why do we take issue with this? Because we already read biographies, autobiographies about inspirational people all the time, right? In fact, there's interviews that's done about them and, and we look at them as an example, even in the spiritual realm. If somebody did something amazing, we read about their story, we read about their history because it gives us good inspiration. Again, this is why there's good lattice to give us inspiration to guide us along in the direction of our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. I'll be honest with you guys, especially when I was uh, you know, like about to become a deacon. One of the things that I struggle and still struggle with today is prayer, right? It's prayer. I, I like, I want my prayer life to increase. There are days that I'm really, really tired. And then when I went to the monastery, Libanos, I started hearing about the life of St. Taklahaimanot and how he prayed for 22 years and seven years after that, just standing on one foot. And then once I heard about that, this was a great inspiration. And I would tell myself, if St. Taklahaimanot could pray all those years, I can pray just for a few minutes. And it was an inspiration. 
It was inspiration. So the point of the saints and their stories is, of course, to encourage us. Is to encourage us, right? And now I think this is really uh, an important, an important thing. Part of the reason why I think people are really not taking the time to uh, ask for intercession is because they don't know saints. And unless we know saints and we get to know them personally, then we feel awkward to uh, to ask for anything. I'll give you guys an example. I remember once at work, I forgot my wallet. <laughs> and like throughout the day, I was really, really hungry. And I like, I'm socially awkward. Like anybody that knows me knows I'm an introvert. I'm very, very shy. Like people who really know me, they know about this. And I don't really, like, I can't really ask people and talk. Like I'm not that guy. So instead of asking the people that are around me who I don't know, I ended up calling my dad and asked him to order food for me and have it delivered to my office. Why? Because I know my dad. And because I knew him, it was easy for me to talk to him and request something from him. Same thing is true when it comes to saints. Sometimes if we feel awkward to ask for their intercession, it's probably because we don't know who the saints are. So take time to learn about their life, and then you will see that you have an easier time to ask for a request. Now let's look at biblical verses. Well, about intercession. Let's look at biblical verses about intercession. But uh, like, I don't want to like give you a whole bunch of verses because I don't think that's the point. But let's just look at one. Matthew, the gospel, of, uh, the gospel of Matthew, chapter five, verses forty-three to forty-four says the following: You've heard the law that says, "Love your neighbor and hate your enemy." But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Again, there are clear examples of 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 uh, intercessions throughout the, the the Bible, encouraging us to pray for one another. Uh, in the book, in order to illustrate this point, of course, I come up with fictional characters. I think you guys have uh, read about it. And I create the fictional characters, Haile Mikhail and Puki. And in the, in the example, Puki is like this guy who doesn't go to church. He's, he's a rebel. He's just completely out of touch with everything. And Haile Mikhail is a deacon in the church and he's often praying. And then, uh, you know, I ask from the two, who do we, who would you ask to pray for you if you were going through trials? Right. And obviously it would be Haile Mikhail. Uh, because in terms of his spiritual life, it's clear that he's closer to God than Pookie is. Um, but the idea is who is closer to God than the Virgin Mary? Of course, no one. And I'll tell you a quick story about this. Uh, I, I use this uh, illustration point uh, a lot of places where I go because I think it's important for, uh, it's easy and people think it's funny and all this stuff, right? Now, the point is, uh, one time I was telling this story and, and, and these two girls sitting in the back were saying, uh, they would ask Pookie to, to pray for them over a Haile Mikhail. And I remember thinking, wait a minute, like, that's kind of awkward, but I wasn't really surprised because throughout the whole lesson, as I was talking, these two girls were very, very combative. They were very argument. In fact, you know, I go around the country and I preach and I teach, but I've never witnessed anything like that. And they, they were trying to, I guess, I, I don't know, like disturb the class or whatever their intention was. They were trying to get me along the way, but what they didn't realize is in their attempt to argue with me or whatever they were trying to do. They ended up saying they would ask Pookie to pray for them over Haile Mikhail. So in essence, they're still admitting to participating in, in intercession. Of course, intercession is the idea of asking someone to pray for you. So whether they're asking for, for Pookie or Haile Mikhail to pray for them, at the end of the day, they're agreeing that 
intercession is something that they're accepting, which is uh, obviously the point that we're trying to make is that intercession is very common. Uh, We ask everyone to, to pray for us all the time. Now, as far as the Virgin Mary, she's, of course, the best candidate to ask to pray for us because, again, she's the mother of God. And we honor her because there is a specific prophecy that she herself made in the Bible about the reason why we need to honor her. Now, uh, the, after St. Gabriel told her that she would have a child, the Virgin Mary goes to uh, Elizabeth's house to visit her. And then uh, St. Mary uh, says the following words. The, the uh, Gospel of Luke chapter Chapter 1 verses 46 through 49 says the following, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. This is key. This is the Virgin Mary talking. She's saying all generation will call me blessed. If I am part of all generation, then I must take the time to call her blessed blessed and this is why we take the time to honor and praise the virgin mary now what about angels what about angels well angels is of course uh from the greek word angelos which means messenger now the job of angels is to bring message from god to man and from man to god remember god is the one who heals us but he can choose who he sends to save us. In this case, he will send the angels. It says, Psalm 91 verses 11 through 12. It says, He will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. So who's healing you? God. But he's sending the angels so that you are able to be healed. Moreover, it is up to the angels And the angels are given the task of receiving the prayer and presenting it to God. And of course, I talk about this in the book of Revelation. Now, the biblical verses is is secondary. I think the main problem, like I said in the beginning, is that we haven't taken the time to learn about angels and about saints, about the life of the Virgin Mary. If we take time to understand who they are and how they are here to help us get closer to Jesus, then we will see it, it, then we will understand that this is not a competition of of who we're going to worship or or are we taking glory away from God or any of that kind of sort of things. But instead, it's really an idea about the saints and the Virgin Mary pointing us in the direction of Jesus. And for this reason, we take the time to honor and venerate them. The challenge for this chapter was to choose a saint of your liking from the church and learn about his or her life. And the second challenge is to pray for someone you know who may be going through something. So I hope you learned something here and you understand why intercession is important and why it's important to go to church and pray in a church. And God willing, next time we'll talk about getting right with God. And I hope you guys join us for that session as well. Wassalamu alaikum. See you guys next time. Thank you.